Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 14. We'll give you a chance to look up the scripture in your um, in your Bible, or if you have a Bible app. Again, that's Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 14. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as your father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are taking a little bit of a detour uh, from our normal sermon series. Um because this is the season of Advent. And what Advent is about is about Jesus coming to us, right? And John the Baptist's ministry was about making a way for Jesus to come, preparing the way. Uh, and so we are told that uh, his ministry um, echoes the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his pass straight. For me, uh, running is one of the main ways that I like to work out. Uh, I should say running slash walking, sometimes more walking than running, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I like to uh, run slash walk on a treadmill. And uh, for a lot of treadmills nowadays, they have a setting that makes it a little bit more difficult um, to run on it. And what, what it is, is uh, it, it's a function that will increase the incline uh, on the treadmill, right? So it's kind of like simulating uh, running up a hill. And, and you probably have experienced this, that it's more difficult to run up a hill than obviously downhill or if something is even, 
downhill actually has its own challenges because you have to kind of like slow yourself down a little bit, uh, depending on how steep it is. Um, but yeah, running uphill can obviously be a challenge. And so, you know, you, you get a little bit more of a sweat. Uh, it, it slows you down a little bit uh, when you increase the incline. Um, another thing that can make running more difficult is uh, running on an uneven surface. Have you ever tried to like run on rocks? It, it's difficult. Obviously, you have to watch where you plant your feet because you could twist your ankle. Um and it really does slow you down quite a bit. Another thing uh, that makes it uh, definitely slower uh, to get from point A to point B is if you are um, not running in a straight path, but you, you got to go around corners, right? You got to make turns. Um, anytime when it's not just straight, completely straight, um, it's going to slow you down. And you know, like we said, uh, the season of Advent is about making a path for Jesus to come to us. And, you know, when it says uh, that this was John the Baptist's ministry uh, to make his path straight, um, I think in many ways this is what we desire in our lives too. Don't we want uh, for Jesus to come to us? Um, right? We, we want more Jesus in our lives. I want more Jesus in my life. Maybe during this whole uh, uh, pandemic, you know, um, it, it's been tough. It's been lonely. And maybe there are times where we feel like God is not there. You know, we're not feeling it. We're not feeling the closeness with God. So I want to know, and maybe you do too, how do we make a way for Jesus to come in? Um, how do I get more Jesus in my life? And so that's what today is about. That's what the scripture is about. That's what John the Baptist's ministry was about. And so we're told that John the Baptist was uh, in the wilderness, uh, but what he was trying to do was trying to uh, get people baptized. And, you know, it, it, it was kind of a radical thing because uh, uh, it, we're told that he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, in, in the Jewish religion, uh, forgiving sins was a big deal, right? That, that there was a lot of ritual uncleanness because of sin. And sin is the thing that separates us from God, right? We've talked about this before. And so how we get clean is very, very important. But in uh, the, the Jewish religion, uh, it wasn't always the easiest thing. Uh, there were very particular ways to become ritually clean. You know, there's all kinds of uh, practices. There's sacrifices. It could be very costly. Um, you, you had to uh, do it the right way with the right people at the right time. But John the Baptist, his ministry was, uh, uh, you know, this baptism that was just done at the river. It was just done with water, like the most common thing, you know. And so we're told that tons of people came because I think there's tons of people who felt that, that distance from God and, and, and that uncleanness in their life. And so they wanted more God in their life, too. 
And so John had this this baptism, right, where where he dunked them in the water. Um, that's what baptism means, baptismo in Greek. It means to dunk. It's John the dunker. <laughs> and uh, uh, so next time you're in a pool and you're messing around with your friends, this is not recommended, not very safe. But, you know, if, if you do that thing where you like dunk your friend's head in the water, hopefully very, very quickly, you can be like, I baptize you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what it was is that you would become clean in that water. That's kind of what the ritual is about. But John was in many ways democratizing uh, uh, this ritual, you know, making people clean. Um, and so in that way, he was trying to make it easier for people to come to God. But this is the thing, is that it was uh, meant to be about repentance, right? Uh, uh, we've talked about repentance before. Repentance means to, it, well, in the Greek, it literally means to change your mind. Uh, but implied in that is kind of like like a turning around, right? You're, you're changing your life. You're changing your ways. So coming back to God means that there is a transformation. And so uh, for John, what he was concerned about is not just saying you're forgiven, like, oh, you know, uh, 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 you don't have to feel bad for those things that you did, but in actual changed life. That was sort of the sign of a, a life with God. If God has come into your life, your life will, be, will look different, right? You won't sin in the way that you did before. And so he tells these people um, to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So what that means is that, you know, if you, you change your life, right? If you say you're sorry for something you did, you know, maybe that there was somebody that you wronged and you're like, okay, I'm so sorry. And then you become friends again. You can't go on wronging that person, right? If you have that new kind of status, if, if that person has come into your life as a friend, you must treat them now as a friend, right? Doesn't that make sense? And so in this sense, you must bear fruit in keeping re with repentance. So if you have a changed life, then these people who used to steal or used to be dishonest or used to, you know, we hear about soldiers who would uh, uh, be abusive to the people that were under their charge. You can't do that anymore. You can't threaten people. You can't extort money anymore, right? And so being able to actually do these things would be a sign of your repentance, of, of a changed life. Now, maybe at this point, you're kind of uh, thinking to yourself, but Pastor Steve, it's not that simple, right? I mean, it's just kind of dunking yourself in water and then just being like, okay, go, go change your life. Go, go be different. It's not always that simple to just change your ways by sheer willpower. You know, I call this the just do it uh, school of repentance, you know, uh, the Nike slogan, just do it, you know, which was meant to motivate people to exercise or play sports. Stop making excuses, just do it, you know, and, and it sounds great, but for a lot of us, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And I find that one of the biggest impediments to an actual changed life is shame 
and guilt. Um, I know a lot of people that um, it, it's really hard for them to get over, um, you know, a mistake that they've made or, um, you know, they, they, they just feel bad for uh, not being able to be the kinds of people that they want to be. Uh, we mentioned this last week. I, I think it's one of the main impediments to reading the Bible is, is people feel so guilty. Ah, oh, Pastor Steve, I know I should be reading Scripture. And you can almost, you know, hear it in their voice and you can see it in their affect. You know, you kind of cast your eyes down, you know, like, oh man, I'm a bad Christian. Or, you know, wh why can't I pray the way that, that, that I think I should? And we spend so much energy in time even feeling guilty. And that in and of itself is the impediment. That's the thing that is keeping Jesus from coming into your life. Now, if you don't believe me, I, I want us to take a look at a scripture that talks about this. Um, so, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting passage uh, because it's talking about, um, I, I, th there's a letter that we think that Paul sent to the Corinthians that, that we don't have. But in it, he rebukes them. What for? I'm not sure. It, it probably was something having to do with generosity. Um, but he rebukes them. In verse 8, it says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that that, that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. And so, whatever Paul wrote in this letter, it did make them feel bad. It grieved them. But the grief did not last. Paul is very clear about that. But the grief leaded, led, <laughs> leaded, <laughs> it led to repentance, to a change in their life. Right. And, and this is the key is that, yeah, of course, you know, there are going to be times you feel bad about things. You feel guilty. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, th there's a purpose to that. And, and we see in verse 10, it says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So this is the distinction between godly grief and what, what Paul calls worldly grief. Um, godly grief leads to an actual change in your life that is good. It, it, it saves you. It keeps you from living that way that you used to, right? Um, so, you know, to use uh, uh, an example of like addiction or, you know, th there's some habit that... that you know on some level, right? Like maybe you struggle and you're like, oh man, I wish I didn't keep doing this, but you do for whatever reason, right? And you're in bondage to this thing. You want to be saved. And so godly grief is good if it leads to the change where you're not dealing with that anymore, right? Or at least you take a significant step forward to not be that way anymore. You know, you break the bondage. But worldly grief doesn't do that. All it does is it makes you regret. It makes you feel bad. I think so many Christians, man, so many, myself included, suffer from this. 
this kind of worldly grief, right? That Paul says, he says it produces death, a kind of spiritual death, right? And, and, and this is the thing. Regret is very similar to, to a word uh, in English, regress. <laughs> to regret is to regress. What does that mean? Well, regress is the opposite of progress. Instead of moving forward, you're moving back or you're stuck, right? You know, can you imagine, uh, again, this is about Jesus coming into our lives and regretting, feeling bad, uh, uh, feeling guilty, feeling shame. It doesn't allow Jesus to come easily into your life, right? Because in many ways, there's something that's stuck. There's something that you're holding on to. You know, uh, uh, in the language of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about forgiving debts. Um, have you ever had like a debt against someone? You know, maybe you owe them money. Maybe they owe you money. <laughs> or maybe there's something that you did to wrong them. You know, there, there, there's some something that happened. You know, uh, you got in a fight or, or, you know, somebody said something mean. And this is just hanging in the air. And every time you talk to that person, you think about that debt. You know, you look in their eyes and you're like, oh, we are not cool. You feel that not coolness, right? That's what this is talking about, is that there's something hanging in the air or there's something that's keeping this relationship from being the way that it's supposed to. Or another way to put it is, you know, if we're talking about progress, moving forward, Regret makes you look back, right? It's almost like you're running a race. And can you imagine that, that you're running with your friends and the finish line, it's over there, but you stumble, right? Like, like maybe you stumble on this rock. You know, the path wasn't straight. So you made a mistake. And can you imagine your friends are, are they're very close to the finish line. They're like, Steve, where'd you go? And I'm back here. And instead of moving forward, right, I'm looking at the rock. Ah, this stupid rock. Why did I trip on this rock? I hate this rock. And I'm so focused on this rock. And everyone's like, Steve, what are you doing, man? Finish line's over here. Isn't this what so many Christians do? We're so focused on the rock in our life. These obstacles. These problems. These things that we tripped up on. You know, we do so much navel-gazing. And what it, what, it, what it prevents us from doing is looking up and seeing Christ who is before us. And, and, and what, what you see in John the Baptist, what he's talking about, about actually being able to, you know, forgive people or to share your belongings with people, being able to act differently, being able to love people. You know, these very practical steps that it talks about in Luke chapter 3 that he recommends for people. In many ways, we are not able to do that when we are filled with regrets, when we are suffering from guilt and shame. And, and what Jesus has come to do in our lives is to be the one to smooth out the path. And the way that he does that is by forgiving our sin and accepting us exactly as we are. And what we need to do 
is to be able to accept the fact that we are sinners, that the thing has happened. You know, now I, I talked about the idea of uh, debts existing in people's lives, right? Like, like we pray that prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, you know, maybe you, you, you owe a friend a hundred bucks and that's kind of hanging in the air. And one of the ways to solve that problem is to pay the debt. But what if you can't pay the debt? What if you messed up and you made a mistake and it's in the past and you don't have a time machine? You can't go back and undo what has already been done, right? This is the problem with guilt and shame. So often we cannot pay the debt. We cannot go back and undo what has been done. And so this is what our minds do. We are trying to solve the problem. We are trying to get rid of that thing that that stumbled us, but you can't. So all we do is we just think about it. We, we, we obsess about it. We turn it over in our mind and it just keeps tormenting us. And it is the stumbling block in our relationship with God and with other people. We can't let it go, which is about forgiveness. And this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus has come to forgive us because we cannot undo what has been done, right? We need forgiveness in order to let go. And so Jesus does what we cannot do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's ultimately God we sin against, right? God is the ultimate good. He's the ultimate judge, right? And in some ways, you know, in order for your relationship to be smoothed out with someone, if you wrong them, um, you know, it's going to take an act of forgiveness on their part, right? Or your part or both parts, you know, in order to make that relationship whole. And when it comes to God, we know through Jesus that we are already forgiven. But what we need to do is we need to accept that forgiveness again. And again, and again, and understand that it's not our ability to change what has been done, right? You, you can't always make it right. But what we can do is accept that forgiveness and move forward. Have you ever like had, you know, something happen between you and another person? And, and, and it's like kind of getting in the way, you know? You, you want to do the things you used to do with that person. You, you want to hang out with them. You want to joke with them. You want to, uh, uh, you know, do fun things together. But as long as this thing is hanging there, you can't quite do it. But one of the signs that, you know, your relationship is, is at least partially dis, uh, restored is the ability to go back to the way things were in terms of, you know, doing those fun things, Right. Hanging out with that person, having a meal, laughing with that person, right? And so when you see uh, the fruit, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, I think that's what John is talking about, you know? And, and I think that um, uh, in in Second Corinthians, where it talks about, um, you know, the godly grief can make you feel bad for a moment. But then, you know, we are able to, to repent, right? 
which means to turn back to God. And it only happens through receiving the forgiveness we have in Jesus. We, we confess, yes, I sinned. Yes, I messed up. Right? But you receive the grace that only God can give you. Only He can remove those stones. Right? Only He can make your relationship right. And you just accept that as a gift. Right? Not because you made it right, but because of what Christ did for you on the cross. And then we move forward. And then we go and we live the life that God wanted for us. Right? And, and so, instead of feeling bad about not reading the Bible... You just read your Bible. You know, instead of feeling bad about not praying, you just pray. You know? Instead of feeling bad about skipping worship last week, well, go to worship the next week. You know? And and so in this way, we are able to walk forward in simple obedience, living out our repentance. That is the Christian life. You know, and in that way, uh, it's not walking in the repentance that allows you to be forgiven. It's the forgiveness that allows you to walk in repentance, right? So, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, how is your relationship with God? Where is Jesus in your life? Is he in the center of your heart, your thoughts? Is he sitting on the throne of your life? Or are you aware that you need Jesus to come into your life again? Brothers and sisters, um, I think what we need in this time is to receive again the grace that comes through Christ the forgiveness of our sins, only what he can do for us. And we need to accept that's only Jesus who can do that, right? So you confess, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I haven't been able to live up to my, my promises or the things that I thought I would be able to do as a Christ follower. You just confess that and receive again this gift You are forgiven. You are a child of God. And you did nothing to earn that. Praise be to God. Can we do that right now? Let's just receive this gift. You are a child of God. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. God's grace, His forgiveness, it is so freely given. It's like water. (laughs) It is right here. It is readily available. Would you come into the stream again? Would you allow God's grace, would you allow the cross and resurrection to dunk you into those waters again that you may come out reminded of the truth that you are a child of God, that that status can only be received as a gift. And then, follower of Christ, can you walk in simple obedience, living out our repentance? Can you walk forward? And maybe that means today you pray. Today you open up that Bible 
you know, maybe there is a, a simple gift of generosity that you can give today. You know, maybe there's that cause that you've been meaning to give to for a while. Maybe there's that friend that God is calling you to reach out to. Can we do that in simple obedience, living out our repentance? What is that thing for you uh, that you can do? I want to encourage you to um, jot that down or maybe tell a friend or if you're watching this stream with somebody to share what that is, what God is putting on your heart. And can we just take a moment to commit that to the Lord? So again, two things. Can you confess again our need for God's grace, that we are sinners and we just simply have to receive the fact that we are forgiven? In Jesus. And now, how can we walk in simple obedience in accordance to our repentance? What can you do today that does not earn you grace, but you are able to do because of God's grace? Thank you, Jesus. Amen.